You're listening to episode 75 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. If you're catching this episode before listening to last week's, that's totally okay, but let me just catch you up on what exciting new stuff is happening around here, because there's a lot of it. First of all, hello, we're officially in season two of Scaling Up, like, that's a big deal. Next level guests, next level topics, and today's episode is part two of a three-part series with the lovely creator of The Social Bungalow, Shannon Lutz. Last week, Shannon and I dove into how to create magnetic and high-converting content, basically the key to your success. And today, we are getting deep into the nitty-gritty of Instagram. Ever heard of it? Specifically on how to leverage Instagram stories, what to do, what not to do, the psychology behind stories, the tried-and-true methods to connect more deeply with your ideal customer, making it more likely that they'll want to work with you. And everything from hashtags to collaboration strategies, along with all the IG marketing strategies you need to boost your engagement, feel confident in how you're growing your business, and most importantly, the fundamental strategies on top of the ones that are constantly changing that never change. That if you're doing these things through and through, even when algorithms change, even when Zuckerberg decides to switch things up, you are going to be growing a very strong business utilizing this platform. After years of successfully climbing the corporate ladder in marketing, Shannon took those skill sets to grow one of the most quickly growing online marketing brands that I have literally ever seen. And her community, The Social Bungalow, is killing it. It's amazing. She's putting incredible content out there. And she's doing it with such an an amazing passion and relatability. You guys are going to fall madly in love with her if you haven't already by listening to the previous episode. And we had some seriously good laughs in this episode. I'm pretty sure at one point I was crying because I was laughing so hard and I almost lost a contact lens. And I know this is going to rock your world when it comes to leveraging Instagram for your business, but so many other nuggets of wisdom that apply in the marketing space when you're growing your brand. And make sure to pay close attention to my social and Shannon's as we gear up for the final part of this three-part series because we have something special for you all, for our listeners, that is going to rock your world and change your business. Let's get to the show. All right, well, here is the tipping off point, Shannon. Either people will be rolling back in for part two because we all know that part one was so juicy or they have officially blocked you and I via all channels and we are essentially talking to ourselves for the next two weeks. But either way, I'm here for it because I love nerding out on all things marketing with you. So welcome back to the show. 
Thank you so much. So happy to be here again. You guys, come on, get on board. You know you love us. <laughs> it's happening. So just like stop trying to avoid it. Get on the train. We're we're chugging along and it is part two time. So we are ready for round two. Let's do this thing. Uh, we covered all things quality and high converting content. Straight up gold in my humble opinion. And we are shifting gears slightly talking about Instagram. So I personally have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. There are days where I feel like I am slaying the dragon. There are days where I feel like the dragon. And I think we get caught up in the logistics and the details so much. Like what's the algorithm today? Or how many likes am I getting? Or how many posts should I be putting up? But there is a psychology that rings true to Instagram and really any other platform that lies in the messaging and the marketing and the relationship. And those are principles that aren't really going to change day to day. So tell us what you think about that. Like the kind of more foundational concepts of Instagram, Instagram stories, the things that we can be doing that aren't going to flip flop based on whatever the algorithm happens to be. Yeah. Instagram really, if you think about your profile, your title and your bio are your brick and mortar sign on the actual building. That's people saying, oh, okay, this is what this store does. Then you've got your post content and your captions kind of act as them being able to look in the window and see if this, let's say it's a clothing boutique, is their style. It's for me. It's not for me. I can tell that this is something that I'm going to want to dive into deeper. So then your story where your Instagram story, where you're going and saying documentary style, here's my daily life. Here's why I'm qualified to serve you. Here's me pitching you any of those things. It's kind of your store's open door. It's saying, come on in, here you go. Learn a little bit more about me in real time. And when that person chooses to walk through that door, i.e. watch your story, potentially respond with a DM, and here they are in it, if you're that clerk that walks up to them and starts chucking random tops at them and the person's like, this isn't even in my color palette, you're going to lose that connection point and not be able to really build a true relationship that can be nurtured to the point of conversion. On the flip side, if you're that really cool down to earth store clerk who comes up and says, what are you looking for? Let me help you. Can I start you a fitting room? That would look so good on you. Tell me more about this event that you're attending. Wow, your eyes are sparkling. There's the person feeling special, seen, heard, and appreciated and building the relationship with you. And so this is, you know, Instagram specific, but really and truly starting from a place of relationship and not a place of the algorithm is out to get me is going to help you bust through everything. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And let's start specifically with stories, because I think this is like such a powerful tool right now in Instagram specifically, because it, it focuses on that relationship if you're doing it right. So give us your best stab at the psychology behind it and, and stories specifically and how we can leverage stories and use them to really connect with our ideal clients. Yeah. First and foremost, we all are voyeuristic. Everybody wants to see what's happening. It's the not being able to look away from the, the train crash or the actual like video that something crazy happened and you, you're completely gripped to it. That is just human psychology. That's the way that our brains work. And really the thing that keeps people coming back for more is education and entertainment and being able to close loops in their brain. I like to work in a three-phase approach with whatever I'm doing on stories so that there is some sort of a beginning, a middle, and an end because that satisfaction of you started me um, at the beginning of your day where you were getting on the plane, heading to your speaking engagement, you were super excited. And then in the middle of the day, you show me that you landed and that you guys went out for lunch. 
And then in the evening, you showed me that you, what the room looked like. And then I don't get to actually see the speaking engagement. I'm going to feel like I got totally gypped because I was with you on this journey and learning, you know, this whole story. And, and I'm kind of with you almost there. And that's the power as well, as far as being there with someone, when you're doing a face to camera style video, where you're talking, it feels like you're FaceTiming with this person, but you get to, in your own world kind of make whatever face you want and just be consuming content versus feeling like you're on video too where you have to be thinking about what you're going to say and be having the right face on you're sitting there kind of with the phone at an unattractive up angle where you've got six chins and you look like shrek and you're able to just watch people and listen to them and have almost a one-sided conversation so the ability to kind of satisfy the brain by saying here's a beginning middle and end here's me talking to you i'm going to take you through my day and my story helps people inadvertently feel bonded to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and like we get trapped in stories. It's kind of like with Netflix when we're binge watching something and then Netflix is like, ooh, I'll keep her hooked. Here, let me l- throw you right into the next season. And then, you know, 15 hours later, there you are still like chip crumbs all over your chest and watching <laughs> something that you didn't even anticipate watching. And it's like when you're doing it right on stories, that's kind of the effect that it has on people. Do you ever see like, I've, I've heard different thoughts and theories and maybe it doesn't matter as much as if your content's really good, but how many little dots, you know, like the little stories that you can see how many people are posting are too many or too little, like how much should we be on our stories each day? Cause you'll see some that it's like, you can't even see the dots. They're so little. Cause they've posted like however many hundred stories sharing every little detail of their day. And then there are other people where it's like, two stories and one of them was something they shared from someone else and there isn't really that personal connection in the process. Mm -hmm. I call that the dreaded ant trail when there's so many dots up there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like walking into an ant pile. I like to say between five and 10 per day and give yourself 10 when you're getting gearing up for a launch or you're pitching or maybe you're doing a face to camera style teaching and so there's more of you talking. But when you don't have much to say for the day, but you just want to kind of keep your finger on the pulse and stay omnipresent with your peeps, go ahead and have that five amount because that allows people to come in to get to know you, know that you're still a human for the day and then move on. Um, But don't feel like you need to have a ton of content every day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that theory. And and like, I feel like you keep easing my worries because you'll, you know, I always am nervous. You're going to be like, 20 stories, 30 stories, and then you'll be like five to 10. I'm like, I can do that. Like everything that you're sharing, which I so appreciate, I know our listeners will appreciate is doable. It's like bite size. It's not overwhelming. It's not saying, okay, yes, um, neglect your children and dedicate your entire day to being on your stories, documenting every little move that you make. So that's great news. With the stories themselves, let's talk about like variety because sometimes I feel like you watch some people's stories and it's legit a talking head the whole time, like a three hour FaceTime or you'll see other people that only share other people's content. You know, they're like putting other people's posts or memes in their, in their stories. Let's talk about variety. Is it necessary? And what are the different options as far as stories, like types of stories, angles, like still shots, boomerangs, different things that you could be doing to keep it a little bit spiced up. Mm -hmm. I always plan out my story content and not by anything other than the overarching purpose for the day. And I write it out on a little notebook. I'm typically at my desk. And so I've got my Monday to Friday planner open. I've got everything digital too, but there's nothing like pen to paper. 
So I know Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in tandem with that post, like we talked about last week, that I'm going to share the post in my story and then maybe expound in uh, an additional point or um, give them, you know, some something to do with the post, but also something additional. And so I'm covered education-wise by the post, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I'm also going to show them my dog because I, I got some funny photos of him last week, or I'm going to show them my like afternoon entrepreneur routine of making a smoothie or going for a walk and what that means to me. And then on Friday, I'm going to do a roundup of client wins for the week and show them some screenshotted social proof to say, hey, look, I am moving the needle for people. Um, my money's where my mouth is. And with that, then on Tuesday and Thursday, I might go and give of random advice. I might do something more entertaining, do a work with me Tuesday, anything of that sort. But I know Monday through Friday what the purpose of the story should be. And I allow myself to organically take it in whatever way feels right. Because I might, the previous Sunday, two weeks ago, when I planned this out, think that on the Tuesday in two weeks, I'm going to um, do a face to cam story. And I might wake up and say, there is no tinted moisturizer going on my face. My hair is going in a messy bun and the dry shampoo is my best friend. And I don't really want to be, which it's okay to just be your natural self on Instagram completely and totally. You don't need to be dolled up. And also filters are your friend. I have nothing against a good filter, but some days you just don't want to be on camera. And then I will say, okay, well, I was going to talk about how to you know convert leads today. So what I'm going to do is instead go to Canva and make some graphics where I'm going to write out tips and tricks and maybe even write out a little table. So if you have three leads and two conversations and one converts, that equals this amount. And so I'll, I'll design something that people then are able to say, wow, this was so helpful because I screenshotted it. Or I'll get a message saying, could you add this to your highlight so I can come and watch it back? And just mixing up the medium is really helpful in any way you can. And I also talk about pattern interrupts because like you said, the three hour FaceTime can get so exhaustive. And so if you are saying, I don't want to design Canva slides, I don't want to write this out, it's going to be easier for me to just say it, say it to the camera for four slides. And then on the next one, flip the camera around and show your notebook with your notes explaining it. Have a whiteboard that you've already written out the table and use your pen to explain it, flip the camera around. It doesn't matter if things are a little bit messy and you've got movement in between because that feels very realistic and goes back to that voyeuristic documentary style story. Good point. Okay. So speaking of, you mentioned highlights. Is that uh, a helpful tool? Do you find like that it builds any kind of traction? What should we have in our highlights? Talk me through some of that. Mm -hmm. There's a term for websites. It's called UX, which stands for user experience. And so when someone lands on your website, a big thing is to figure out what's the user experience where you're kind of taking them from, this is my homepage. And the main thing on here that I want you to click on is my about page, which then takes you to my work with me page. And there's a whole little flow that's happening kind of on the backside. And I like to take that UX experience over to Instagram as well. And so when someone lands on your profile, they're going to do the whole shop process, name, bio, scroll through some posts. They might watch your story for the day, but then they're going to come back to consume more if they're liking what they're seeing and they're going to go through your highlights. And with that, it is so easy to allow someone to get lost down that rabbit hole. Like we were saying, the Netflix chips on chest, instead of falling down other people's stories, why don't you basically take them through a ton of your own stories and they just got lost on your profile forever. So what I do with a highlight is I save some of my best educational content. I save some of my personal content so they can get to know me, but I also talk about my offers. So I have a highlight for both of my courses, one for my coaching and results from clients. And something that I love to do is at the very front of the highlight scroll, have a start here highlight that tells them the way in which you want them to consume content, the way in which you want them to interact with you. So you might say, here's what you're going to do. Thanks so much for hanging out. 
I want you to go read this post and then I want you to come back here and look at this highlight and then watch that highlight and then DM me and tell me your favorite ice cream flavor. It could be that. It could be tell me what you took away from everything you learned today. Anything of that sort where you out of nowhere kind of gamified your own profile, you're going to see people taking you up on it and being like, wow, you just bio mental hacked me. And I don't know how that happened, but here I am in your DMs. I really enjoyed watching your stories, watching your highlights. I feel like we're best friends. Tell me more about your services. Mm, so interesting. I never thought to do almost like a little, what do you call it? Like a hunt. Give me it. What is like it? a scavenger hunt? Yep, that. <laughs> scavenger hunt. I'm like Easter egg hunt. No, that's not it. Um, yeah, like a scavenger hunt. You're kind of like taking them through and getting them a little bit hooked. And it's almost like this weird, like, well, I'm already this committed. I have to see what, what's next, like what she's going to tell me to do next. So that, I think that's such a great idea. And you also brought up like the bio. Okay, so can we just touch on the bio for a minute? Because I feel like sometimes people use their bio and it, it almost like business owners, I'm talking like entrepreneurs. And it's like a dating profile. It's like feisty brunette who loves to read and has three kids and this and that. And it's like, I know nothing about what you do and how you can serve me. So how do you recommend taking advantage of that little itty bitty space that we have to make our really big impact? First and foremost, guys, how do you feel that we just heard Liz's dating bio? <laughs> Miss feisty uh. <laughs> I just revealed it. I'm so embarrassed, but I am a feisty brunette. What was the second thing I said? I like to read and I have three kids. I left off the part that I basically live in stretchy pants and flannel every single day and love a good cold beer, but that's further down. There wasn't enough space, so I couldn't put that in. But if you go to Tinder, I'm sure it's there. <laughs> Which is the problem. Perfect segue is that we don't have enough space because right now it's 150 characters and you have to say, this is who I am, who I serve, and the result that you're going to get. And also here's a call to action to click the link in my bio in such a short amount of space. So with that, we could talk a while about really making sure that you aren't talking about your love for sea turtles and you're instead diving into what you actually do for people. But I think you guys kind of know, let's talk about what we actually do on our business profile in our business. So I like to break it down into, I help this individual, insert here, do this thing, insert your brilliance and achieve this result. Insert monetary, numeric, clarity, whatever it is that they're going to be getting from a, the most enticing high-level perspective by working with you. And being able to have that really says to the consumer, oh, I know immediately I'm in the right place because she serves people like me. And now I know she's going to help me do something that is I'm struggling with or I'm desiring. And it's going to result in something that I really do want. And with that, I'm now more committed to consuming content on this profile because I can see where I fit into the picture and where we could work together. A lot of times when we talk about ourselves in our bio, it makes us look like the hero of the story, which is fine, but your client should be the hero of the story. And they do see themselves that way because if they're looking at investing, they want to have some smoke blown up. They want to know that they're the one that's going to get your time, your capacity, your energy. And if they're giving of potentially thousands of dollars over the internet to a woman they've never met or man, that they're able to get some return on investment and feel special in the process. So with that, we really want to endear them to us. And if they are the hero and they see us as a hero, they're going to say, that's awesome. I love that you're also a hero. Maybe we're going to be friends, but we're never going to work together. However, if they can say, I'm the hero of this story and you clearly are the guide for this, I can see how we fit into a family unit where you can take me and guide me to where I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. So 
couple random questions in regards to bio. Call to action. Like, should it always be an opt-in? Should it be to your Facebook community? I have my own theory on it, but I want to hear hear yours and if you have any suggestions or if it could be a variety of different things. I see a lot of people that will also like switch it out weekly, you know, live. My podcast episode for this week is this, click the link. And then next week when they launch a new one, it's a different link. So curious what you think about that. I think that it can rotate. I think that it should. If you were, you know, leading somebody to an opt-in or to, or to your podcast, and then you're launching something and you always leave it as your opt-in or your podcast and somebody doesn't have a direct link to purchase your course or your service, you're doing yourself a disservice. And with that, having minimal barrier to entry is key. And so if it is the direct link in your bio when you are in launch mode and you want somebody to hit the landing page and buy the thing, then have them do directly that. Make the extra clicks not an option. And that's my only issue with a link tree, for example, or longer form LinkedIn bios that open up a bunch of options. If you have more than three options, you now take their brain into a confused mind takes no action land to where they're like, well, I don't know what to click. There's too many things I'm getting out of here. And again, to use psychology, it's going back to a barbaric time where our brains were completely in fight or flight mode. And we operated from a place of, do I need to protect my brain calories right now by not investing in what's happening because barbarians might come over the fort later and try to attack and pillage my village? And right now I need to be sure to rest and maintain for that. And so there's still an element of, I don't want to invest my brain calories in reading through your 16 links in your bio in order to decide which one is right for me because there's more content to consume. I'm not going to spend my brain calories on it. I might need to do a coaching call later. Somebody's going to ask me a hearty question and I don't want to have exhausted my mental capacity on your links. So making things simple and super easy, whether or not people realize it, a confused mind is going to take no action. So out of a promo mode where you're just nurturing your audience, you've got an opt-in, you've got a podcast episode, you've got a Facebook group. I like to say, pick one, have that be the link in the bio, unless you've got a competing two that are prevalent and you need to have them do. And when you're in launch mode, make sure the link is directly to the thing that they, you want them to do or you want them to purchase. Speaking of launch mode, and I know you mentioned maybe you have more stories going up when you're in a launch, but other than possibly having a little more content coming up in your stories, anything different that you should be doing during launch? Like, are you just like heavy hitting and only focusing on one thing? Can you still be kind of multifaceted talking about the different areas of your life or are you just like honed in? You don't want to burn your audience out by if you're honing in so strong, it's a seven day launch, for example, and that's all you're talking about. You'll get people to the point where they're like, oh, Shannon has a new story. I don't want to click on it because she's just going to talk about her launch some more. But if you are finding a balance where I would say it's 70% launch, 30% personal or different tips or tricks or resharing other people's content, being a normal human, that's great. But making sure that the percentage, the quantity is off that much where it's 70, 30 Otherwise, you're going to distract your audience to other people's profiles or content. It's so easy to, you know, have your kid's shoe come untied or be standing in line at Target and then intend to purchase, intend to click through, but get distracted and not do so, and then never come back around. So if you're staying consistent on stories and reminding people and speaking from that one voice for your launch and then, you know, bringing in a couple little other pattern interrupt content pieces, that's fine. Okay. And would you say stories, like, who are your stories for? Because... Are your stories for the people who already are following you? Are they a tool that you can use to expand your reach? Like who are you talking to in your stories? Your stories 
really are catered towards the people that are following you because they're your ideal client and you want to speak to them and be building community through that process. I'll bring up inside jokes that I made up the week prior basically with myself, but then people responded and laughed at and then I'll bring it back up the following week and, and keep an update going. For example, I was in Whole Foods and I was standing behind a man, this is prior to quarantine, so things were normal, and I was standing behind a man who had a kombucha in the baby seat of his cart. And when he pulled his cart forward to put things up on the conveyor belt, the kombucha slid through the open leg pole and hit the ground. Ooh. And I'm standing, <laughs> I'm standing between kind of an end cap and I'm on my left and I've got my basket in my right hand. So I can move, but I feel kind of boxed in and there's people behind me, there's people to the right of me in the next lane. And so when it hits the ground, it cracks open and it starts fire hosing me, but it's doing this fabulous thing where it's kind of teetering back and forth from the fire hose action that it's literally spraying me from shoulders down to feet, up and down, up and down. And I don't move. I don't move, Liz. I don't know what happened. I would have paid big money to see that. <laughs> the amount of faces that turn around just gobsmacked, jaws on the floor, like, what is this lady doing? And I just stood there, like deer in the headlights, getting hosed down by kombucha until the whole can was done. Oh my God. So I smell like a fermented, pungent, pungent piece of ginger. <laughs> and thankfully, there's actually a silver lining. I turn around to the woman behind me and I'm like, are you okay? What happened? We just kind of like commiserating in a moment of shock. She's in work clothes and she's like, thank you. She's got tears in her eyes. She's like, thank you so much for taking the brunt of that because I wouldn't have been able to go home and change out of these clothes, my work clothes. And I can't be late again. And I was oh like, God bless. There was a purpose in this. Anyways, long story short, I just, it's one of the most bizarre things ever happened to me in my adult life. So I go out to the car and I immediately stopping what filmed an Instagram story and I'm cracking up, like crying through this thing, telling everybody what happened. And so then the next week I was in, or um, a couple days later, I sent out an email to my list and I signed off as your recently hosed down by kombucha friend, Shannon. Oh my God. <laughs> the following week when I was back in the store, there was an end cap of kombuchas and I took a picture of it and I put it on my story and I was like, what do I do? And then because I was making up this almost inside joke with my community that I shared from my life with them, people were sending me pictures of kombucha and they're like, gonna get ya or like thinking of the social bungalow. So finding ways to really connect with people via stories is amazing. So to answer the initial question, you are designing for the people that currently follow you because they are your ideal clients and they're going to consume. They're going to be the people that are getting warmed up, nurtured, and then buy from you. But the people that are coming through and seeing your content via your hashtags, via you getting shared on somebody else's page, ideally, if you're doing your strategies right, they're also your ideal client. So they're just adding to the top of the funnel to say, here's more people who are going to enjoy what I'm giving. So it's not so much for people who don't follow you or do follow you. It's for your ideal client. Okay. Yeah, that's great clarity, but nothing really else matters besides that story because I'm just, I have such a beautiful visual in my head. What I thought you were going to say is that you saw this poor man like drop his kombucha and you pulled out your phone and started filming it. And I'm like, well, that's less than kind. But then to hear that you like literally jumped in front of a train for this poor woman who could have been covered... And just stood there taking it. Like, how much time passed from when it started spraying to you, you so know, and when it was just so much time? Okay, that makes it. Wait, I have, so to, much I have to also say, for like a sensory moment, if anybody listening to this, especially if you've got us in your headphones right now, I had my AirPods in because I was taking myself on a date and I went to Whole Foods to buy my, I was making like a custom dinner for one. And so I was like walking through and I was listening to my new favorite hype song. 
on repeat in my ears, blasted at full volume. And I have the AirPods that do noise cancellation. So I am truly in a bubble and I'm not sure how much we're, we're allowed to say certain things on this podcast, but it was, it it was Megan B stallion is her name. And she has a song called B I T C H. It's it's spelled out with little dots in between each letter. And it's to the tune of a Tupac song, but it's the female empowerment version that just came out and it is catchy and it was on repeat. And so I'm just like, mm, 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 mm. and then all of a sudden the universe was like, no, you need to sit down. Here's some kombucha to really cool you off. Oh, so you walked around smelling like a ginger foot because that's essentially what kombucha smells like. Yep. yep. Oh, this is just too good. All right. Well, um, that is going to carry me through some really tough times in the future. I just want to let you know. And I'm sure my imagination is making it even crazier than it was, which is even better. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing that. I'm like still crying over it. Um, All right. Now I want to do a little bit of a rapid fire round that is just like some Instagram growth strategy, just like single questions, best tip. You down with that? I'm so down. Okay, cool. All right. First one, uh, hashtags in your stories or even like shrunken down and hidden off to the side, do they benefit your story in any way? They throw your story into that hashtags story. But let me ask you, how many times have you watched a hashtags story? Never. So if, yep, if you are similar to your ideal client, which most of our ideal clients are us from a couple of years ago, a couple of steps ago, they probably have similar patterns to you. If it's something you do, great. If it's something you don't, maybe don't use it. Because what happens is that you, your story, that individual slide that has the hashtag on it goes into that hashtag story. So you go to the, you look up the hashtag that pops up the little story, you click on it. And your slide is there, but there are other slides getting put into there rapid fire as well for other people who are doing the same thing. So you might get one slide in before it's somebody else's, and then you get your second slide in and then it's somebody else's. So you're not even telling a cohesive story and you're going to see a spike on that one individual slide, which you're going to think, oh, wow, look at all these eyeballs. Maybe I put these hashtags on a story where I'm talking about my offer and I've got all the text on screen that says 50% off and and then I'm going to get people over from that but they're not watching it on your story. They're watching it on the whole highlight reel. And so they're going to the next one so rapid fire, right tapping the screen quickly that it's not really bringing any eyeballs to you. I say, if you wanna throw all tactics at a story for launch mode, go for it, try it out, test it totally. But typically I don't waste my time. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what I thought, but good to hear. As far as hashtags in general, not necessarily story-wise, give us your best tips on that because it's constantly changing. Do you put them in the comments? Do you put them in the caption? Do you do 20 of them? Do you do two of them? You know, any good kind of quick tips on on hashtags in general? Mm -hmm. Hashtags are hard because they're the only non-human element of Instagram. Stories, DMs, posts. There's an element of you being able to control it because you can write and create in a way that a human reads, consumes, and you guys interact. With hashtags, it's very much so driven by the mood of the algorithm and Instagram for that day. So test and try things. Don't get too tied to it or stress yourself out. Good content is king. However, what I do suggest is that you start with using about 20 and see where that takes you because Instagram gives you 30 opportunities. Why would they give you that many if you didn't have, you know, the ability to work within it? However, relevance is very important to Instagram. That's its main thing. It wants people on the app getting stuck in the app, and it does that by serving relevant content to people who want to see it. And so by hashtagging things that are relevant to your post, the algorithm says, ah, this person's talking about these specific things. This other individual is very interested in those specific things. I'm going to make sure this content gets served or this hashtag, which acts as a connective bridge, connects these two people. 
with that, if you are using the same hashtags on every post, the algorithm's going to say, mm, I don't know if every single thing you posted about really calls these 20 hashtags. If, if the relevance is there because you're not mixing it up, I'm concerned. I'm going to kind of put you on the back burner and serve this new person's content who used this fresh hashtag on a fresh post separate from their other posts. So try 20, mix them up every time, put them in the caption, put them in the first comment. Literally, it's I've seen it 50-50 different per account. On my account, I put them in the first comment. In some of my clients' accounts, they put them in the caption and they see better results because of it. It's just a fickle thing that depends on your account. So really test everything out. There are, shameless plug, in my course, Five Figure Instagram, there's specific data to say that it was 650,000 accounts that were tested of different following sizes from 50 followers up to 500,000 followers. And they did hashtags of all amounts of hashtags and all placement of the hashtags to see for every collection of followers, five to 10,000, 10,000 to 20,000, what worked best for each account size. There's literal like six posts in the caption. Don't hide them with dots. That's going to work best for this size. And it's super particular. Don't obsess over it. It's I, I keep like waving my hands if you guys can see because I'm like, uh, I, I love and hate hashtags. Uh, me too. And would you like to know my like least favorite pastime that's ever existed in the history of mankind? It's figuring out what hashtags to use. Like it is a process science creative strategy that I do not understand. Like I will see bloggers or people using certain hashtags. I'm like, how the hell did you come up with that? That's so random. Like, why would I ever know to search that? I've never even really searched hashtags until I got into using it for business more. But like, what about picking hashtags or finding new ones? Because if, especially if you're going to be mixing it up, you need a lot to choose from. Do you just make crap up? Do you follow certain people and just use what they're using? Like what the heck is the best strategy for that? Yeah. It's not a bad idea to look at people with similar audiences doing similar things to you to see what they're doing. And just again, using that as inspiration to be able to get kind of like finger on the pulse. I need a general frame of reference to get started. But from there, figuring them out for your expertise and what your ideal client would be searching is key. So I say break it down and kind of do a dump of what are your skills? What is it that you're talking about? And then turning those into hashtags or searching them. I'll get to that. So your expertise and then what it is that your ideal audience finds of interest. And this might be different from what it is you actually talk about. So to explain, taking the expertise first, for me, it would be marketing tips, for example. So I might type marketing tips into the search bar on Instagram, click over to the panel that says hashtags and see what hashtags come up off of marketing tips. And it might be, you know, marketing tips is there, but there's 5 million usage, i.e. it's more of a viral level hashtag. And I'm going to have a lot of competition to use that on a post, but it will give you a similar suggestions off of that one to say, Hey, here's ones that have a little less competition. Consider these. And I will take a few of those. And now off of marketing tips, I have five hashtags that I'm going to add to a sheet and say, I'm going to start using these on my posts. For your audience's interest, to go back to last episode, we talked about kind of the mindset or the lifestyle coaches who might say, hey, here's a tip to take a bubble bath. And so you know that you're not a bubble bath expert, you're a mindset expert, but you're going to advise on bubble baths. You know your ideal audience member is going to take a bubble bath and that's something of interest. 
And typically, you know, there's the, the picture of the girl with a glass of wine and the rose petals and the legs in the bathtub. And that might be something your audience is doing. And so for you to look up bubble bath or self-love or date with self, something of that sort in the hashtag area and find some that are relevant to your ideal client. Also clicking through and just looking at the content used on the hashtag to see if some of the photos or some of the people hashtagging are your ideal client gives you a good space to start. And with that, for your expertise on the first example, using that on your post because that's relevant to your content is great. On the second example with bubble baths, if you're not posting about bubble baths, don't use it on your post because then the algorithm is going to say this isn't relevant. You're trying to hack the system and get new eyeballs that this isn't what we're going to do here. However, you can use it yourself to then fall down a rabbit hole and look for your ideal clients because you know what they're hashtagging on their photos. So they really work both ways to bring your ideal clients to you and for you to find them. Okay, great tip. All right, engagement tip. If someone were going to go, you know, say, all right, I need to improve my engagement, what's the one thing that you would tell them to go do now? I would say give to get. If you go out and you start commenting on the people that you know or new followers or you start doing, you know, falling down that hashtag rabbit hole and finding individuals' content that look like they fall within your ideal client avatar, demographic info, leave a comment, make it hearty, read the post in full, really write something back that's going to be meaningful to that person. Because we all know what it is to create content and then really pour our heart and soul into it and then have somebody say, great post or you're, you look so pretty. And it's, you're not ungrateful for the comment, but really having somebody say, wow, point number two really resonated. I did something similar last week. What do you think about taking it this way instead? Would love your expertise. The person is going to be giddy with joy that you took the time to read it and are actually having a, a substantial conversation with them in the comments. So give to give. So you're saying like, don't drop a comment that says like, DM to collab. Oh, <laughs> my whole body just cringed. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. So last kind of rapid fire question in this category. Best, I'm going to call it like big boost strategy, meaning from everything from collaborations to giveaways to challenges to follow on follow like what is your best tip says like if you're going to put your eggs in a basket to try and get some bigger boosts on your page as far as growth aside from like the interaction and the natural engagement and the organic reach where should we put our effort it really is like you you named off a lot of great options it really is tapping into others audiences by jumping into that pool and if you are going and doing all the great follower growth tactics kind of person by person and it's a very grassroots effort, you're going to bring about really warm, very viable candidates to your profile and that's important and you should be doing that Monday through Friday. But when you want a big spike, a big infusion of followers and new eyeballs, you have to tap into somebody else's audience. So pick the strategy that's right for you and dependent on who you can team up with or you know if it's gonna look salesy or not to your audience, every niche is different, but giveaways are great reaching out to people with similar audiences, but non-competing products to say, I would love to be on your podcast. I would love to owe you one if I could take over your stories for a day. So I'll film videos on my side. I'll label, you know, one through, this is one of four, this is two of four. So you know what order to post them in. I'll put the text on screen. I'll do everything for you. If you could just pop on and say, hey, my girl so-and-so is taking over my stories. Check her out. She's giving a great tip. She'll post that for you and then come back through when she's launching something or wants to get new eyeballs on her page and you do the same for her. Just finding something that feels organic and in alignment for your audience to be able to tap into somebody else's is going to be very helpful. 
Mm -hmm. I'm like super excited to put this to work. I've never done anything quite like that, like the takeover. I've seen other people do it and I love it. So I think that's such an awesome idea. It's just like, there's so much potential for collaboration in so many different ways. And when you also implement the give to get in addition to collaboration, it's like, what's in it for them? That's a, a great approach to it. All right. I have my question of the week for you. The one that I did not tell you ahead of time and it's nothing too crazy, but I just would love to know like what makes you love this stuff? Like what makes you love what you do? Want to keep learning, want to keep giving, want to keep growing. What do you think it is? Mm, yeah, obviously I'm going to miss America this and then I'm going to nitty gritty this. Can you wave, <laughs> can you wave at me? Like Miss America. Okay, perfect. I, I wish you guys, you guys just so you know. <laughs> we'll make a gif out of that. There you go. Um, it's obviously it's being able to make an impact. And I know a lot of times the expression like income and impact is really, it's out there quite a bit. People say it a lot. Um, and so it's, it starts to lose its meaning when it becomes a buzz expression, but truly being able to make an impact in someone's life by giving of a marketing tip that allowed her to say, oh my gosh, light bulb moment. Now I did this. And I was able to convert a client, which means I made $5,000 and I was able to invest in my coach, which gave me even the ripple effect of just being able to provide is amazing. And when you do scale to a certain level, you have opportunities to give back. You have responsibilities as a leader to give back. And um, by the time this comes out, this is going to be long gone, but I'm in a promotion right now, flash sale for my course, where I'm giving $100 of every course sold to a woman in need, because we're seeing a huge, again, ripple effect of financial hardships because of everything that's happening with COVID-19, where women are losing their jobs and single moms now have kids at home and they're not able to get hours at work and, you know, lights are getting turned off, phone bills, groceries, all of it. So I'm taking $100 of every course and then directly Venmoing, PayPal right to a woman that needs it to literally keep the lights on. So that has just been like, I've been chopping onions all week. I've just been all the stories submitted and the opportunity to support and, you know, going back and forth via video message with women who are just sobbing has been the most amazing, amazingly fulfilling thing to be able to do with a platform. I could not have even dreamed this up in, in my wildest dreams when building this business. So impact is key. But if you strip all that away where you're able to really make a difference because you're more at the beginning or you're at, you're just starting to build an audience, what's the thing that keeps you going? It is the why, of course, Simon Sinek's start with why, but really for, for me in the thing that you choose, it has to be that love of the thing. And if you are going to get burned out from talking about this thing in four posts, in 16 podcast episodes and 12 stories, pick a different thing or find a new angle for it because you will very quickly burn out because this is going to be your stake in the ground, your unique value proposition for years to come until you have the opportunity potentially to pivot or expand. So with me marketing, it's, it's so important to me and I absolutely love it so much. But the thing that I love about it is the psychology because like we said last episode, having the ability to back up a persuasive tactic with science to say, don't just trust my snake oil because I'm selling it to you in a really great way with my messaging. Trust it because of all of these scientific reasons as to why it's going to change your life and these case studies to show you that as well. Um, so proof, psychology, and then being able to persuade someone to purchase something that's going to change their lives. Very fun for me, starting with the inception point of loving your expertise. You're such a great example of someone who's 
not just skilled in what they do, but passionate about it and how it shines through. And I've loved watching Social Bungalow, you, everything that you're doing just unfold because it is so natural and you can see that fire in what you do. And it's cool to hear you doing things that are also making a ripple effect outside of teaching us marketing and strategy. So that's awesome. And I'm glad you you shared that. I wish it were going to be happening when this went live so that we could help you promote it. But I'm sure you'll be doing plenty more things just like that. So next week, our final of three brilliant episodes is going to be all about uh, launching and selling out your programs, your offers, your services. Who the heck doesn't want to do that? So make sure you guys tune in next week for our final of three episodes with Shannon. She has been incredible. And this, I feel like is going to be the cherry on top, the culmination of all the things you've learned because it's actually going to move the needle financially for you, which is what we always want to be helping you do. So tune in, Make sure you also take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social and tag us. Shannon's at the Social Bungalow. I'm at Liz Hartke. And check out the show notes because we always have updates and things for you there. Thanks for tuning in so far. We are pumped to bring you episode number three of this series and help you guys keep that amazing momentum up in your businesses. So Shannon, thanks for spending more time with me. This is like the most fun I've ever had in any podcast episodes. I wish we were in person, but we'll have to do that another time when the world is not infected with viruses. So thank you for being here and for shining your light and dropping your wisdom bombs. They've been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I've just basically had my golden retriever face on this entire time of just pure joy and happiness. So thank you for listening and letting me share this with you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.